for us, the failing was necessary. We did not know what just success really looked like until Audrey. So we thought we were on the right track a few times, but then when we launched Audrey and saw the demand and the messages and how people reacted, it felt so different. Successes in the Mind is proud to have partnered with and be supported by the Great British Entrepreneur Awards and Community, a program that recognizes, celebrates, supports, encourages, and champions entrepreneurs in Great Britain. Hello and welcome to Success is in the Mind. I'm Oliver Bruce and if you're new to the show, we'll be discussing with current owner entrepreneurs about their failures, mistakes, passion and persistence in the face of business adversity. Not all entrepreneurs, however, have completed their vision just yet. Some are just starting out and I want to give you a sense of business reality in a world full of idealism. So what does it take to become successful, to grow a brand or to start a business? Join me to hear from those that are currently doing just that. As always, you can reach the team and I via the website, bizpodcast.co.uk, that is with a Z, or tweet me at OliverBruce underscore biz. On today's episode and the last in series two, I speak to the Tinder of podcast platforms. Nicholas Hildebrand and his business partner have, for a number of years, worked for somebody else. That was until they thought they would go it alone. Like so many other entrepreneurs out there, their first business idea, although it launched, never really took off. And this was due to multiple reasons. The second business idea, however, called Audrey, is already making waves in the up-and-coming world of podcasting. With an active user base of nearly 8,000 podcasters, Audrey are on track to be one of the largest podcast collaboration platforms globally, allowing users to reach out to like-minded individuals and collaborate, share ideas, share advertising, as well as many, many other aspects. We use Audrey consistently, but don't take my word for it, however. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, co-founder of Audrey, Nicholas Hildebrand. Alrighty, Nick. So you you started your business fairly recently in in March 2020. Before that, you you jumped around a lot, working for people, having founded other businesses, etc. I mean, talk to me about the journey and why you founded Audrey, Audrey fundamentally. Yeah, um, Audrey is just a few months old. We launched a platform in March. Obviously, there were a few months before where we started setting everything up. But the journey to Audrey was not very trivial, not very straightforward. So I used to work in uh, business development and sales. Then I started my own business, the first one, which was all about influencers on Instagram mostly. Also within YouTube, which didn't work out much. <laughs> didn't manage to get there to scale, bootstrapped it for a while, then shut it down mm-hmm. and came up with Audrey. And the journey to Audrey was very interesting because we at the end built a software for Instagram and brands that were very active on Instagram with influencers. It was an influencer tracking software. Right. And one of our clients actually approached us and say, hey, do you do anything for a podcast? Which we did not and got us thinking, saying, oh, what's happening on the podcast side? The client was already spending 100k a month on podcast advertising back then. Wow. How long ago was that, Nick? That was 2019. Blimey. And 2019. So they were already crazy active. And then we said just on the side, but we're doing all the other stuff. We're looking at podcasting more and more. And then we realized, oh, there's so many, but <laughs> why are they not spending with them? What are their challenges? What are they doing? Why do they not have access to our client? And basically you flipped it around though and said, instead of just helping our client get more podcasters, how about we help the podcasters kind of be more successful rather than just being the means to an end or, and being advertising. What happened to the previous business? Why didn't that work as well as you'd hoped? 
I think one reason is definitely was our first business. So me and my co-founder were very inexperienced on certain high level stuff like metrics or just making progress in the right direction, but a bit naive. And basically what we built was an influencer platform, basically doing what the shop now button does on Instagram right now. <laughs> so we built a platform for influencers to sell their clothes and we give their followers easy access to these pieces, such as whether they're dresses, makeup, video games or whatever. But we basically just built this, started scaling a little bit, but spent money in the wrong ways, realized affiliate money is not really working. We didn't have in, enough influencers to kind of have our own little business models. And then at the end, we realized actually if Facebook wants to introduce this now, our business is dead and we'll struggle really hard to get there so they're working and then they just kill us because there's no benefit for them and there's no need for them to buy us. How much did you put into it? It was not that much. We got a grant from the government at the beginning, a year salary, basically a low salary, but a year salary fixed. And then I got some angel investment, for like 100K, I would say. Oh, okay. And you, and you were the developer, so you didn't have to outsource it. You dev developed it yourself in-house with, with your, your colleague, your, your business partner at the time? Yeah, exactly. We outsourced some, some things, but he has a background in electronic engineering. He was a product manager. We met at our previous firm. Um, we worked together and I was in sales, but I have a background in uh, business informatics. So we're able to build a launch a, a bunch of the prototypes ourselves. Do you think you need to you fail and fall over before you actually find out what success looks like or what actually a proposition that will work is? Because a lot of people do fail before they finally succeed. Yes and no. So for us, the failing was necessary. We did not know what traction and demand and just success really looked like until Audrey. So we thought we were on the right track a few times. But then when we launched Audrey and saw the demand and the, the just inbound messages and how people reacted, it felt so different. Then on the other hand, the company we worked for wasn't doing too well. So it was an interesting and exciting time. But then they had as a startup financing issues and so on. So we didn't see this rampant growth or this fast growth and traction. And it was more of a struggle against death rather than like being in an up and coming startup. So I think if you're part of a team, that it has been very successful and if you have seen success firsthand, then it might be easier. But in a case of our like in our case, I think we needed to go through that failing stage in order to really see what success feels like. And Audrey, why the name? Why why Audrey? Audrey, I mean, is a few reasons for it. One is very close to audio, which is podcasting, obviously, with the AUD at the beginning. It's also short, it's memorable, there's no competition. And there's actually a really old prototype of one of the first voice recognition algorithms by Bell Labs back then was also called Audrey. So we it's super old. It was in the 80s or 60s. It was a long time ago, the first kind of experiments. And we felt like this is actually a good name. It's a nice, friendly. It's also how we want to be as a community, but also it's very close to audio. And I mean, in terms of the, the scale of the business at the moment, it's been going for, for, let's just say, just under a year. How how many people, how many users have you got on the platform now? So right now, there are close to eight and a half thousand podcasts that have created an account. Still, one thing that is uh, can be very transparent about is we're still working on what is the ideal monthly active usage. Because obviously, if you are a very active podcast, and we see some of those on the platform, they come, they work like crazy for months, start connecting, start building their relationships, start interview, uh, inviting interview guests, and then they're set for two or three months, and then they come back. So we're just seeing some of these now developments kick in. 
but so far we're pretty happy. Because you must be, I know, I suppose battle is the wrong term, but you're up against, to a certain uh, extent, the likes of Spotify and the likes of Apple in terms of distributing the podcast. But Apple don't give you very good algorithms or sort of analytics. Spotify do. You guys, I mean, you've got 8,000 users. There's hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. What would you suggest to somebody wanting to start a podcast, similarly to a business, that they do from day one? One thing is definitely make sure you have the proper profiles to be found, not only by your listeners, but also by potential partners, like other podcasters that you can collaborate with. Also, another tip is just get started, but also know where you want to go in a way. Because a lot of podcasts, I've seen a lot of first episodes where they already ask their audience, what you would you like to hear about? And that's not going to work because you have barely any listeners. They don't know you. You just have your first episode out. You should have at least the end goal, a North Star. Like, I want to talk to interesting people about something. Is that business? Is that what they do uh, in their free time? And so on, just have a plan so you can keep pushing content. And you just need to push for it and stay consistent. Otherwise, you might lose listeners. And it's a lot of work. It's definitely difficult to start a podcast. It is, especially if you're doing it uh, by yourself. But again, similarly to podcasting, businesses, uh, starting a business is, is difficult, for sure, if you're doing it by yourself. I noticed, looking back at when you started, I suppose, your first business boutique, you did that with a co-founder, with a business partner. Again, Audrey, with a co-founder, with a business partner. Nick, could you have done it on your own, or do you have to have someone with you? I think... I might have been able to do it alone. I just prefer not being alone. Some people are fully, perfectly fine. But what I like about being having a co-founder on board, and it's the same one, actually. We both built Boutique and now we built Audrey together. We have very different skill sets uh, in certain ways, but we understand each other. And it's just nice to have someone that, you know, you can be fully transparent, share all the business secrets, everything you're doing, and they know everything. And then you just get feedback very quickly. Something you don't want to necessarily do with an employee if you're met, if you don't have the money to employ someone. And what are your strengths then, Nick, that your business partner, for instance, uh, can't do? So how do you share your workload? So I do a lot of the operational work. So I, as a COO in the company, I make sure the entire company is running smoothly. One thing that helps is we're based in Berlin. I speak German. He doesn't. So I deal with the whole finance uh, topics, uh, make sure the uh, entire finance department till it exists i'm the cfo as well um but also i used to work in sales and uh, key account management so i do a lot of the research when it comes to what kind of products could actually make sense also for advertisers how could we how do i get to the stakeholders that can actually give us the answers that give us the confidence to build things i'm the person that finds these people approaches these people and gets them on a call in terms of in terms of how that works, because it's difficult starting a business, as you know, very very difficult if if indeed you can't speak a hundred percent of the language. So, uh, what you know, walls has he come up against that he's just simply unable to to break down and has to delegate to you? There must be a lot. I mean, for business reasons, absolutely. That's why. Uh, just even, but it's even simple stuff like notary appointments. So if you go to the notary and you sign as a managing director and obviously every capital increase, every investment round, you always need to go to the notary and sign stuff. Or when you start the company. Talk to me about the notary. Sorry, Nick, what's a notary? A notary is the person you go to where you, if you incorporate a business. Fine, like company's house in the UK. Yeah, exactly. So they are the one, the only one that can actually start the company. So you need to go there. They need to oversee what you're signing. They read out the contract really quickly. 
for a lot of money and then obviously <laughs> are the only path to have your company registered in Germany. So that's the way if you want it's very com complicated in Germany to start a company actually. It's not a very smooth efficient way. Are you thinking of, you know, moving elsewhere then if it is so complex or is that always going to be the home? Uh depends our main market is the English speaking market. So the German market for example we're based here, but we have very few podcasters from Germany sign up to the platform. Our clients, we have clients based in Germany, but they only do business outside or we only work with them for the UK or US. So it's very likely that depending on how successful we are and how fast it's moving and what else we're building, that we'll have another office, at least in the US. Scaling back and looking back, I suppose, at your, your childhood, actually, rather than anything to do with business or indeed a career uh, at all. What was your upbringing like, Nick? What was your childhood like, your parents' background? You know, why did you go into essentially becoming an entrepreneur? So neither of my parents are entrepreneurs. My dad, um, he recently retired. Uh, work for a bank. I grew up in southern Germany. My mom worked for uh, the city. So very stable, super safe jobs, basically. My dad has been with the company since I think 1999 until he retired. So it was over 20 years because they had super stable and safe jobs. It just gave me the opportunities to just experiment. So I did not have to be safe. My parents' parents had to be safe and like did not have that much money. So my parents probably went into the more safer direction just to be stable and then gave us oh my, like my sister and I the opportunity to just test a bunch of stuff and just fail and you know they have a safety net so which is where I am very privileged I know that I can move in with my parents if it like everything would fail I would not find a job or business would not work if, if it all hit the fan you could you, you could move back but I mean you know as you come out of university as you come out of school you go into being employed so you're not you haven't started a business at this point you are you know working for somebody else but you jumped around a lot so you, on the contrary to what your dad did whereby he worked for the bank for for 20 years he had three or four jobs in the space of three years so you know why was that did it just not fit yeah, I mean, some was basically a bit opportunistic. So I finished my degree in business informatics and then I got a job offer from a guy who was an alumni of my university who invited me to Berlin. And I had done a few internships before one of the startup in Berlin, loved it, loved the, I mean, the job was okay, but just working in a dynamic startup and working in Berlin was super fun for me. So I said, like, okay, I want to go to Berlin. This guy's offering me a job. Why not? So I joined him in this small like web development agency. And then after six months, actually turned out, I mean, I didn't like it that much, but also wasn't doing so hard. So I just said, okay, after six months, we're still friends. Um, decided it doesn't make sense. I just found said, okay, I want to do something else. I want to understand how this works. What's the next startup that pays decently so I can pay for my rent and also uh, gives me the opportunity to learn a lot. And then jumped to that one, uh, worked my way up. And then I was at one point, didn't like the management company was going down. I said, okay, best chance now. If I make another jump on the like, corporate ladder, it wasn't a startup, but still, then it would hurt a lot taking this like, pay cut. But this is okay, right now I'm very comfortable, but I can reduce my cost space a lot and start something. If I go up a bit more, then I wouldn't probably not want to do it anymore because then it hurts too much. You'll be living in a different sort of world in terms of your means and, and, and shrinking that would be would be painful. But that's that's fascinating because I suppose the fact that your dad and your mum worked in the city and worked in banks must have had some sort of impact when you were going through a fund for your first business. You said you raised 100000 for boutique. Do you think the, I suppose, structure that they had from being in that world assisted with putting some fund together? Not sure about the fund specifically, but definitely prepared me in many ways 
for just the, my whole development from even what I did in university, where I joined student clubs and was closer to the business society and so on. They gave me a lot of insights on, I mean, my dad, on how banks work. He saw that affiliate, there were some affiliates at his bank work with like credit cards and stuff. They made a ton of money. So he told me I should try that out. They're both very confident people. So they always gave me the confidence to just try it, even if I fail. Are you looking for a PR company that can evaluate your brand profile and execute effective communications? Well, Blocks and PR, who work with some of the largest brands in the fashion, field sports and luxury lifestyle sectors, can do exactly that. Developing long-term relationships is at the heart of the Blocks and ethos. Combining big thinking with big results, they simply never miss a trick, and they certainly didn't miss a trick, by partnering with us for Series 2. Check them out at BlocksandPR.com. Coming up next week, we have a look back at some of the best bits of Series 2. Whilst we're due to take a few weeks away from the show, this is, due to being a business owner myself, the need to dedicate some time as we expand rapidly and transition into our new offices, which in turn is a larger, glossier space. However, fear not, we will be back in March with not only more inspirational entrepreneurs, but a dedicated podcast studio and in theory, a new show start. So join me then. However, if you or anybody is interested in joining me on the show, or for that matter, joining the podcast production team, my business Pinpoint Media are currently recruiting for a multitude of roles. Head over to the careers page on our website, pinpoint-media.co.uk, where you can find out more and apply from there. What what were the mistakes that you made? What did you trip up on that, frankly, looking back, were just frankly stupid? Um, being in love with the product that you're building, not taking it out back quickly enough. So the first idea that we had, which was boutique, lasted around two years, and then we finally said, okay, we're going to shut it down because we could, yeah, we could not just let go. And then the second one we had, and we did it's our agency business that we built this SaaS product. That thing didn't even live a year, so that's definitely learning and. And so right now, so we'd already question everything we do. We question, we test it. If it doesn't work, move on, find the next thing. And you've taken all of this this feedback because I'm a big believer in the fact that and Peter Jones, uh, an entrepreneur in the UK, says there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And you've taken all this feedback into into Audrey. And at the moment, the business has been going, you know, roughly roughly a year, give or take. You're still not generating revenue. It's free for people to join. How are you funding that? Do we do generate revenue? Oh, you do now. Okay. We do. It's just not on the website. So we do have a brand section where brands can get in contact with us. One thing that is basically very related to what I just said before is we obviously want to see what we can we add that is beyond connection. And for these tests, we have a lot of test balloons running in the back that nobody sees, where we talk to brands. We run test campaigns outside of our network to see how can we make certain things happen? How can we generate revenue? Is it scalable? How do we do it? So this is some revenue we're building and have on the side for a long time. You know, some clients that are now booking yearly contracts and certain things we've tested with them. But if it doesn't fit in with our vision of empowering podcasters, it will not make it into the platform, even though it's generating revenue. The second thing, we are fortunate we have some great investors that also support us in our vision to empower podcasters not to build an advertising platform. And in September, so roughly six months after the launch of Audrey, we raised a pre-seed round with a VC, a VC in, in Berlin and a few great angel investors that we got on board to now scale up. And what was the value of that, Nick? Close to a million, like slightly below. 
uh, euros. That's really, that is impressive, frankly, seeing as you've been only going for, <laughs> for a couple of months. And I'm assuming they wanted to see a roadmap and, and a business plan. But actually, podcasting has, over the last 12 months, exploded. Everybody knows that it is a, a huge growth market. Not a lot of people know how to monetize it just yet. What are you, what are you forecasting? What, are you your, what is your vision, I suppose, over the next 12, 18, 24 months for podcasters and, and for Audrey in terms of a revenue uh, model? So overall, for podcasting scene, one thing that is pretty apparent if you've done some digging is that the consumption and demonetization are in completely different stages. So everybody listens to podcasts, but it's just not monetized at all. In Instagram, I can probably browse through most profiles in a few minutes and be six months in the past for content. In that time, I can't even listen to an episode for someone, uh, for some podcast. So the relationship is very different, but there's also very interesting statistics where, for example, every minute of radio content, which is already automated songs and stuff, is 10 times better monetized than a single, like a minute of podcasting. So just running radio is 10 times more profitable than running a podcast, which is very interesting considering that radio style is like a bit of a new person talking than music for a long time that is pre-configured and then talking again and fit some ad breaks. And these are just some things we feel are gonna change as more and more podcasts get the tools to get revenue from what they're doing from the craft and just the creative content that they're producing. Just if the efficiency of monetization goes up for podcasters, the business is, the market is already going to go 10x. I'm also hoping that our bet of the way we have it planned out and our vision of Audrey is the right way to go. And like I said, we have big potential competitors like Spotify, Amazon, I went into the business, Apple, Google. But right now, we don't feel too threatened by them. Looking at, I suppose, your business structure, from a development point of view, are you always, you know, six, 12 months ahead of what we're seeing? Or is it very reactive because you are a startup at the moment? The likes of Facebook and Amazon are, you know, 12, 18, 24 months ahead. But are you? Absolutely. So we don't have the same strict milestone plan that a Google or Facebook might have, but we have a clear plan at least 12 months ahead. So of what direction we're going. So it's less about this exact feature will launch at this exact time. And that's how it's going to be. And we do everything that it happens next Christmas. But it's more like we know in order to beat the competition, in order to really add value and also show podcasts that we're doing something, we need to solve an extra problem. And let's say it's around the problem of monetization. And the goals that we have is that until then, we need to have a way for podcasters to solve this specific problem. And then there's multiple ways we could go about which one it is, which one is the problem we actually work on, and what is the solution we're using. But we have a clear plan on a macroscopic level on what we want to solve. And then we have a plan on how to get the answers to get the confidence to actually build what like a, a product or a feature that solves this problem. Right. Okay. Because I mean, from a, uh, I suppose, growth point of view, you have got one of the, I suppose, simplest business models. And as much as you have a platform for podcasters to market your podcast, you would go on, I'm assuming, their podcast, invite other podcasters in, ask them what their problem is. And and that's 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 the route for the next six months. You know, is it as linear as that? Or is there, I suppose, more behind the scenes? There's a bit more. Because obviously, since we're a startup, we don't have the capacity to paralyze too many things. So we don't try to not work sequentially. So we always have a couple of tracks that we're pushing forward to a certain stage. And then either they merge or one ends 
or one gets paused and restarts later. So it's a lot of prioritization, what gets actually built in the next, let's say, four weeks. But other than that, there's always other stuff that you don't see. It's just in parallel and needs to just be kept alive. But we build it mostly in-house. Uh, we have hired freelancers before for certain extra work right now. By the time this podcast will launch, we'll have had a massive brand facelift. We'll relaunch the Audrey brand, bring it to also look and feel that is more in in sync with our also global ambitions. And what are you, with regards to the facelift and with regards to the to the rebrand, what is the purpose behind that? You've been going nine months and you're already giving it a facelift. Why? I mean, if you look at the website right now, it has some of the information that you need to understand what Audrey is. But it also looks like a platform that could have been built by three people in a garage and they just <laughs> slapped it out on the internet within a day. So we want to lose that feel. Until we raised our uh, venture round now, we were in a very bootstrappy mode because we still had some money left from our previous businesses and so on, but it was not much. So we were very careful with spending any money. Uh, everything was about efficiency and saving money. And right, and we didn't have the time to really work on our brand. So now with the relaunch, we hope to give podcasters more trust. They see it's an actual legit company that also looks like a legit company, has a decent website. But also you want to push more aggressively into the US market and just be get more brand recognition in the space. And in order to get decent brand recognition, we need a decent brand that actually has all the elements and pieces that you can use to get your name out and to build a brand and build a name in the industry. And I suppose because this is going out in January, I should say, Nick, the brand looks incredible. I love what you've <laughs> done with it. It's phenomenal. I hope it works yeah. really well. Yeah. But with, I suppose, looking at, I suppose, the next the next 12 months, the rebrands happen, you're going to launch your podcast. What are the key objectives in 12 months' time for Audrey from a usership point of view? We always try to set goals that are achievable but very hard. So if you achieve 80%, it's still pretty great. If you achieve 100%, the goal was too easy. By mid-next year, towards the end of next year, we want to be the world's biggest podcast community. So we want to be on any Facebook group, any Reddit forum, any other platform, which... And then we're looking into the tens of thousands of podcasts. Our goal until end of year is to hit at least 10K, which would be 10,000 signups in, in a year, in nine months at that point. But we want to basically triple or quadruple that growth rate for sure next year. It, go, it, go, it goes back to, to, to you being so, so analytical, Nick, but it seems like you've got a very ethical business and people actually, I suppose, buy into, into the ethics of that. And do you think it's really important then to either have a common enemy or, or to have a common friend, the, the friend obviously being the vision of Audrey in this case? I think it's super important. So part of our and our brand relaunch is also just really formalizing our our goals or what is our brand purpose that will never change? What are, what are we doing today? What we'll be doing in a few years maybe? And then because this answers a lot of questions. For example, when we discuss new features to build for the platform, our brand purpose is empowering creators to own their success story, which is all about the creator first. So if we discuss different features or different ways of prioritizing certain things in a company, you can just look at our brand purpose, say, is this serving the creator first? No, then, okay, it's out. Yes, then, okay, let's talk about it. So this way just makes it way easier to also make discussion uh, decisions internally and gives everybody in the, in the company the confidence to make decisions because they have this brand vision that confirms 
what they want to do. Starting a podcast, Nick, you don't have to have tens of thousands of pounds like you might do to start uh, some businesses. Now, talk to me about how the best or what the best thing to do is to start a podcast. Is it just recording on your phone or is it actually buying a load of kit and setting it up properly? Um, I don't think you need to necessarily spend any money or a lot of money to get started with the podcast. So if you want to build a podcast, obviously you need to be confident in front of a microphone, if, especially if it's a solo podcast and you're not talking to anyone. might be a bit weird for you at the beginning. But you can just test getting an episode out pretty quickly. There's basically no cost. Get a free hosting provider and just go. I think what's more important is, though, to have a, a strategy and sit down and put stuff on paper before you actually start recording. Because if there's no structure, there's not, not a structure that the, the listener can see where you're going and what they can expect later, and there's no consistency, then it might just be a rambling podcast and nobody knows what the value actually is. So if you want to start a podcast, think about what you want to talk about. If you're not an expert on that topic, invite the people that are and interview them or just research it and show what you've researched. Or if you want to do something that's like a true crime, you should probably read, write the entire story, at least for a few episodes ahead before you start recording. <laughs> yeah, cool. Otherwise, you're not going to know the ending as well. And uh, <laughs> that's not good for anyone. Nick, success. What does that look like to you guys? To me individually, it means that the things that we're doing actually solve a problem. And we get the feedback from people that it has helped them in a way. It's the nicest way thing for me about building a business is getting the user feedback that it's working, it's doing something that they didn't uh, couldn't do before. And that's success to me personally. Obviously, on the business side, it's all about revenue and growth and so on. But the only thing that motivates me is to really solve the problem of a person. Then if you want to describe business a bit more tangibly for the next years, it's for us to get tens of thousands more podcasts than we got this year and to get to a level where we're actually well-known and the, get the feedback and recognition that we, what we're doing is great because external feedback is always a bit more important than just internal uh, liking it. Well, I think I love it, Nick. I think it's a fantastic platform. I use it a lot, to be honest with you. Bearing in mind this is going out in January 2021, where can people find you? What functions can they find um, online and how can they engage? So right now, on Audrey, if you sign in with, you'll see a nice shiny new uh, website, as you already mentioned. If you join Audrey, it's completely free. Sign up with your Apple Podcast URL. You can browse podcasts in your niche that have like-minded topics that uh, you can find interview guests. You can do promo swaps. It's a lot of people are doing. You can really find the connections and the personalities you need to make your podcast a further success and keep on growing. If you won't have any questions regarding how you should do certain things, you should check out our blog. There's a lot of content out there on how to get started and what a good partnership is. And if you have any questions after that, also feel free to reach out to me directly. You can just send me an email as uh, nicholas at audrey.io or just message me on LinkedIn. That's also a pretty easy way to reach me and a fast way to get me to respond. Nick, absolute pleasure speaking. I think Audrey's really onto something. I think the next 12 months are going to be hugely exciting. I'm proud to be part of it, but thank you very much for, for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to this series of Success is in the Mind. Your support has allowed us to rank on the Apple Podcast Business and Entrepreneurship section in not only the top 200, but the top 100 and top 50 on multiple occasions. As always, if you would be so kind as to subscribe, share, rate and review, we will consistently rank in those areas and it is massively appreciated. I will see you in March from a shiny new studio, but until then, take care and stay safe.